Greetings ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Cosmographia. Episode 8, Cosmographia, the Greco-Romans, the Egyptians and us, is a fortnightly podcast hosted regularly and streamed through various worldwide podcast services like Ghana, GeoSavan, Apple, Amazon Audible and others. A topic for the day is gender equality in classical antiquity. The Indic and the Greco-Roman civilizations often considered to be the powerhouses of the ancient world have always demented scholars when seen through the various periods of their upbringing about the ideologies and the status women had to play in societal developments. Taking into consideration the various epics and literary sources that form a major part of the ancient Indian sculptures, gender equality seems not to be a thing scholars be bothered about, seemingly because the Indus civilization, or what we might also denominate as the Harappan civilization and what came before the Aryan race established its hegemony, had always had an all-powerful deity who was indeed feminine, as has been observed by classicists and archaeologists who have unearthed the figurine statues of the mother goddesses at various locations throughout the territory of the Indus civilization. For a society or a civilization that worships women, gender inequality seems to have been a thing not extant. Talking about dirt and contemporary cases such as the Minoan civilization at Crete, it could be well noted that the frescoes have often depicted women beautifully robed, symbolic of the freedom to enforce their wills. Thus, there arises no question of inequality in these times if seen through the lenses of a classical demeanor. But when deepened into the intricate observations, assumptions and eventually conclusions would alter. In fact, the frescoes and goddesses talked about until now but women who belong to the upper classes or the elite classes of the society. Societal hierarchy is a thing that has always been there from the time when human beings have learned to group themselves into clusters. Not surprisingly, the members of the royal family could, as of now, enjoy their own rights and had no bindings that could affix them. In fact, the Greek myths widely deal with stories of heroes and their spouses who are again in an attempt to emphasize upon the aristocratic belonging, often depicted as heroines. What was the social status of the slaves who were bought and sold? Did their females enjoy the power to choose their own partners or were they just set aside from this custom and were destined to be the concubines forever? The questions remain unanswered. Greek mythology has, in its various legendary tales about their pantheon, depicted the male gods as fearless, vile, ferocious and war-loving, characteristics that, in their opinions, suit that for man, while females like Hera and Demeter are generally not associated with weapons. In fact, most of the Greek goddesses, other than Athena and Artemis, who have equal capabilities to that of Ares and Apollo, have always been associated with harvesting, crop ripening, beauty and love. Such were formed the listed characteristic traits associated with or tributed 
to the feminine gender, gentle, tender, loving, and caring. Mythology gave rise to gender inequality, and questions have been risen on whether woman is sufficient enough to take care of herself, or whether she has to depend on a male partner for her life and her safety. In the Indian classical text Ramayana, although Sita is eventually identified as an avatar of Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth, she is shown to be helpless at Ashok Vatika under Ravana's captivity if it were really her. Scholars have, in the past few decades, disagreed over the actual identity of the woman kept confined at Ravana's garden in Lanka. But when talking about the original storyline of the epic, it was Lord Ram who has rescued her after a vociferous battle that crushed the authority of the Asuras and extended the banner of the Raghukula till the Deccan or to the Dravidians only if Rama can be considered to be a proper Aryan. Classicist Don Nado, in his book entitled Women of Ancient Greece, has closely observed the political, social and economic conditions of the women who lived back then. A brief interpretation of his analysis would lead us to observe that even though women could not participate in political discussions or orations at the Senate, they could still enjoy a certain degree of freedom until the Archaic Age. Thus there arises no doubts on the fact that women weren't equal to men. Although, in his thesis entitled, Debating Women's Equality Toward a Feminist Theory of Law from a European Perspective, Ute Gerard says that women often owned land, as found from the records of ancient Delphi, Gortine, Thessaly, Megara and Sparta, Athenian women were simply regarded to be a part of the oikos, English for household, that was usually dominated by a male family head or a kyrios, English master. The spouse was often regarded as the dumber, which in English terms transliterates to to tame. Thus the condition of the Athenian women, when seen through the perspectives of them being a part of the household, were no different to the conditions of the Indian women who were dominated by their male family members, a system that eventually came to be called as patriarchy. Comparing closely, Indian women had a better position in the society during the early Vedic period when she could attend festival rites, yagnas, choose her own husband through the means of a swayamvara and often participate in philosophical discussions with leading sages. Instances include Maitri and Gargi. As the society evolved and the class and caste structures became complicated, the female was stripped off all her social dignity and her relaxations were given her earlier were snatched away. The Brahminical superiority began to find its way around the period. Nevertheless, Swamvara remained but only in name. Then talking again about the Indian classics, Ramayana and the Mahabharata, we have seen both caste discriminations and the prevalence of a not-so-idealistic Swamvara. Both Rama and Arjuna had to fulfill the tasks set for them to wed Sita and Draupadi respectively. It might have been that Rama, who was also the avatar of the Lord on Earth, was caring and affectionate for his better half, but that didn't mean that Sita was free to choose Rama. They could only unite when Rama could string the bow, hence fulfilling the requirements set for a prince to have Sita's hand in marriage, unlike the system that prevailed in the early Vedic age. 
in the Mahabharata when all princes who attempt in piercing the eye of the fish kept on a revolving disc by looking at its reflection in the water below the condition set for the swamvara Karna, a very efficient archer and originally son of Kunti, was set aside only because people thought that he was a Sutaputra, in English terms, a charioteer's son, and was not eligible to participate in a contest that deserved only the royal men or people belonging to the Kshatriya class. Such instances have been found in almost all tales of the world. If talking about the Greek mythology, when Troy was won over by Hercules, the Greek god of strength and masculinity, Hesion, princess of Troy and daughter of King Laomedon, was given away to Hercules' partner, Telamon, one who had helped him in breaching the Trojan walls, ultimately to be met into his concubine. Coming back to the Athenian discussion, women were exploited like nowhere throughout Greece. They were not even considered true citizens, which is why they had limited property rights and complex divorce processes. Divorces and attempts were interesting, especially because the procedure in which they were conducted. There were three types of divorces, as noted down by Sue Blundell in Women in Ancient Greece. Number one, by mutual consent of both the partners, the Dharma and the Kyrios. The Kyrios, or the male household master, when he willed to divorce, could simply throw out the female counterpart from his residence. However, when the Damar, or the female counterpart, had to demand for divorce, she wouldn't be permitted to do so until she was represented by a male family member that included a father, a brother, or someone else to demand for divorce as per the legal terms of Athenian Greece. Thus, in simpler words, a woman was always considered the property of a man. The earlier stages of her life were to be dominated by her father's decisions, be that effectual or ineffectual, whereas the latter part of her life after marriage, child marriage is equivalent in both in India and Greece, was to be dominated by the curios or the master of the household. When it comes to education though, differences arise between the civilizations. Greek women in their early childhood were allowed to attend the teachings of a literatio and letter that of a grammaticus, both of which were equivalent to tutors who taught boys. The only exception arose when the household that woman came from would be poor. Here, she was expected to stay back at her home, supporting her family in cleaning up the household and working as a maid. But then, the conditions imposed upon the boy were also similar. He wasn't expected to attend school, but rather walk in the fields and help sustain his family. Women have often been described on detailings of ancient Greek pottery which, however, sexualized their depictions to a large extent. In the opinions of Sue Blundell, quote, Scenes of adornment within vast paintings are window into the women's sphere, though they were not entirely realistic, rather a product of the voyeuristic and romanticized image of womanhood rooted in the male gaze, unquote. Hence, however advanced, technically, philosophically, and literally, and impenetrable these ancient civilizations were, gender equality was never a thing that existed in the classical age, be that archaic, Hellenic, or the Aryan epochs. Gender equality today must become a lived reality. 
The oppression and unjust practices that women had to endure for civilizations had made them bold enough to suppress the oppressors and claim their rights, as they later did in Greece, Africa, and many other parts of the world, including in India. But yet, males haven't actually forgotten the classical ideals. They seem not to realize that gender equality isn't only an issue for women, it is an issue for the human community as a whole, to be extant in it. Emma Watson's words would be best befitting in the box. Quote, it is time we see gender as a spectrum instead of two sets of opposing ideals. Unquote. Thank you for listening to episode 8 of Cosmographia, the Greco-Romans, the Egyptians and us, a podcast hosted fortnightly on Apple, Google, Ghana, Geo7, Amazon Audible, Spotify and a dozen other worldwide streaming podcast platforms.